everybody. Welcome to the basement. Uh, um, I got quite a fun, 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 fun. I don't even know if it's fun because I didn't even have fun putting the pieces together to do this episode. Uh, but I, I feel like it might be kind of entertaining here. So I'm going to just jump right in within the first 30 seconds of this episode. Uh, for some of you people that may follow me on Letterboxd, which is probably like two of you weekly listeners, I don't really have a lot of following on Letterboxd. I get a lot of likes for movies on Letterboxd, but I don't really have a lot of followers, but hey, whatever. Um, if you don't have Letterboxd and you're like a cinephile, what the fuck are you doing? This episode is not sponsored by Letterboxd whatsoever, but Letterboxd is the cool you know, like social media platform for cinephiles who just like talk about what they've been watching, give it like a star rating. Some people don't. If some people like something, they uh, give it, you know, stars. If some people don't, they kind of like, you know, don't want to show how much they didn't like it. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, But I did something cool on Letterboxd the past week, and I kind of made it a point to tease it last week on the Basement's Instagram page. One of the cool things is you can kind of like, if you're a cinephile, if you watch movies, you can go about kind of creating your own little film festivals in your house. With all with everything being available, the streaming, you can like pick a director and watch all their movies or watch all their accessible movies on streaming platforms or on physical media. And like do your own double features and whatnot. And I kind of do stuff like that on Letterboxd, like, hey, I'm doing such and such double feature, blah, 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 blah. Well, what I did last week is something that I have been yearning to do for a while, and I gave myself a Steven Seagal film festival. Look, I feel like a lot of the listeners know who Steven Seagal is. They, you know, action star from the late 80s throughout the 90s uh, into the early 2000s a little bit, but that's kind of where he stopped, you know, his films kind of stopped popping up in theaters, and... By the time the mid-2000s into the, the 2010s, I don't know what we're calling that like decade these days. I know it's like called the aughts, and then there's the 2010s. I mean, yeah, it'll just like rehash itself. Like eventually like 2060 will be the 60s. Gosh, I'll be like in my 70s in the 2060s if I make it that far. Hopefully I do. Um, that's thinking, that's off topic. But um, yeah, so like kind of like 2005 2006 like his films started going like straight to dvd and now obviously they're kind of like straight to dvd straight to streaming uh i don't think he's made a film since like 2019 and it was actually like with dmx he reunited with dmx who they were in uh uh exit wounds together but it's a fucking classic like early 2000s action film if you ask me i've never met a person who hates exit wounds (laughs) it's a lot of fun and there's some funny behind the scenes stories about that movie in regards to Steven Seagal. And that kind of is a good jumping off point to why I did a Steven Seagal film festival. I just sometimes sit in my office uh, while I'm diddling around on the internet or whatever I got to get done. And um, I just have gone down a wormhole of Steven Seagal stories on the internet. Steven Seagal has just these kind of I don't know if notorious is the correct word, but he has these interesting stories about him behind the scenes. You know, some people say he's not a nice guy. Some people think he's a weird guy. I'll leave some links into the show notes of like crazy Seagal stories. And a lot of them spawn from Saturday Night Live because he hosted Saturday Night Live probably back in the early 90s when he was a superstar. 
and um, like a lot of cast members have come out and just kind of been like, he was not really easy to work with, and yeah. And I mean, SNL has pulled like they they scour the internet because I think for a while you could find some sketches from that episode or his opening monologue, and they they just like I think they they do overtime there at Thirty Rockefeller Center to pull. Uh, any footage they find from that episode off the internet, if anybody can get a copy of it, like you can't find the Seagal episode of SNL um, because it's so bad. It was not a lot of laughs. He wasn't very flexible with the writers on that show. You know, he had a persona he thought he needed to keep up. It's kind of funny. Uh, David Spade did a interview on Rob Lowe's podcast, I think a few years ago, and Spade kind of defended him that, you know, he just was a guy who didn't want to let his guard down, and that's what you do when you're a host. You know, you go on there and you kind of make fun of yourself a little bit. You know, you know it, it helps with the audience and it helps with you know the cast members as well. And it just did not make he didn't do that. It did not make for a fun experience. So that's why. And there's also I think a few other stories that go a little deeper. Um, head writer at the time, Al Franken, talks about having a meeting with him, Lauren Michaels, and Steven Seagal about some ideas for sketches. It was very standoffish. Uh, Rob Schneider's got some great stories he spilled on Howard Stern years ago about <laughs> him being, you know, Steven Seagal becoming a deity uh, through the Dalai Lama, which is basically becoming a god, uh, which I'm sure is great for Seagal's uh, ego. Yeah. I just, I think, you know, you hear all these, another story I heard is Steven Seagal had like a meltdown, not a meltdown, he just like started yelling at people on set of uh, exit wounds that I was just talking about, and they were filming in a boathouse, and he stormed off the set and opened the door and walked out and fell into the ocean, <laughs> and I guess he comes up from being underwater, and you know, Seagal looks like he has a full head of hair in movies, but he doesn't in real life. And so he had some of that spray on hair that I guess was falling down. It's, it's I, I don't know. It's not my story. It's Tom Arnold's stories. The actor, he was in the movie, but there's a ton of like these Steven Seagal stories on the internet that have to do with him just kind of taking himself too seriously and it bites him in the ass. And it's just, it's really funny. There's another one by Kevin Hart. Um, he was talking to, I just, I'm just going to keep talking about these stories here, but there's another one by Kevin Hart. I guess he was talking with a stunt man who worked with Steven Seagal back in the day. And, um, I guess like Seagal, like <laughs> thought he was tough and like, he couldn't take him down and the stunt man couldn't take him down to grapple. And he did, and I guess when he took Seagal down, he farted, but he ended up, it was, it wasn't just a fart. It was, it was a shart and he had to run away <laughs> cause he shit his pants. <laughs> Uh, I will, um, I'll leave links to these in the show notes if you guys want to check them out. But what I'm here to do today is I'm talk. I'm here to talk about a specific era. I did it, like I said, I did a Steven Seagal film festival, but I didn't do his classics. Anybody who's seen Under Siege knows that that's a great action movie. It really is, through and through. Um, Hard to Kill, another great action film, marked for death. Like a lot of his first like handful of films really good like I, I he's with good directors of the era you know he he's and it helps that Seagal kind of comes off like a sociopath <laughs> he just I mean he still kind of does but um, <laughs> but especially on screen in these movies it seems like Seagal is 
like when he's fighting and killing these bad guys, you kind of feel it at your core. Like, dude, he is fucking these guys up. And this is this is like I mean, the scene where like he has a knife fight with Tommy Lee Jones in Under Siege, which knowing Tommy Lee Jones and Steven Seagal, I'm sure they weren't that close on set. <laughs> if you know stories about them on set, they they might not. They're kind of the more prick. They're pretty prickly characters. Um, so I'm told, but Tommy Lee Jones plays the the big bad guy in un, the first Under Siege, and they have a knife fight to have like this climax at the end. And I genuinely, every time I watch that scene in fear for Tommy Lee Jones's life, not his character's life, because obviously he gets killed off. He's the bad guy. It's how those movies work. Bad guy gets a, a cool, interesting death um, in that, that era of action films. But like, I am scared Steven Skull might just like by accidentally slit Tommy Lee Jones's throat. Like it just comes off that way. Um, so yeah, those era of Seagal films are a lot of fun, but when his career took a turn and, you know, a lot of probably bad press got out there for him and he was making a lot of box office duds, you know, his career was starting to tank from about 2006 till about now, he'd made a lot of these straight to video, straight to DVD, straight to now streaming movies. And look, I don't want to get on here and bash films. That's not my forte. Like when I come on here and say like, eh, you know, even a bad movie is entertaining. I mean, I've interviewed directors who have known that they've made some kind of cult midnight movie that's portrayed as a bad, perceived as a bad film, but they still come on and want to talk about it. Someone like Frank Farrell, who was on last year talking about his, you know, film he co-wrote and co-produced Spookies big cult film from the 80s he, he knows it's you know kind of a not really well put together film but he appreciates the following it has Seagal makes these like goes on a decade decade and a half run of these just just think of your straight to video action films and then think of like a ball like right below it because there's still some good from 10 years ago like straight to video action films where you kind of go eh it wasn't that great but it wasn't that bad um Steven Seagal uh, has made it his own like little subgenre of just he's in the movie, but he's not doing much. And the younger guy kind of <laughs> does the bulk of the fighting. Seagal just kind of sits there and he'll shoot a gun. But yet he's the star of the movie because um, he is. He's the selling point. Like, you know, whatever you want to say about his career going up and down, like he is a name and a lot of his films are shot overseas, I believe. I think one on my list here today uh, was shot in like, um, you know, somewhere out in Southern California. Then it's supposed to be a like Afghanistan or something. <laughs> um, so basically what I did is I went through this era of, you know, low budget. And I say low budget. There's still probably like $2 million budget movies. Um, film these films that he has made and they're streaming all on Tubi. If you want to go have a Steven Seagal B action movie uh film festival like I did, get Tubi. It's for free. I'm in no way sponsored by Tubi. Be kind of cool if I was. But um go on there. There's like there's like 15 movies. I want to say up the most recent one I think is like 2017, 2018. He did a movie with Mike Tyson that is not on this list. Unfortunately, I didn't get to it and I, I got to get this episode out, but I'll probably get around to that at some point, do a follow-up. So yeah, I just decided to go through a deep dive from, you know, the last 10 so odd years of these, these just B-level movies that have these 
interesting. It just has an interesting feel to it, and they have a formula, so I might get a little repetitive here on my Steven Seagal Film Festival. So let's jump in. Uh, my first one here on the list is none other than, and forgive me with these titles, they're not the greatest titles in the world. This is none other than A Good Man. Now, again, I don't want to get, I'm going to get repetitive, um, but because a lot of these plots are going to sound similar. Seagal is usually playing some ex-military, ex-CIA, ex-government agent kind of guy who's like, doesn't live in the States, he lives like overseas, and I think um, you know, the film's shot in Romania, and uh, it, it takes you know it takes place in Romania. There's a lot of films that are like, I'll get into that a little later, but uh, a good man, <laughs> and um, I, I think it's all about. I think this film is all about you know making the right choice and doing the good thing as a man who's known to uh, kill people and whatnot. Uh, so this movie takes place Seagal. Like we start with obviously like a flashback from like two years earlier. Uh, Seagal is a, um, he's a special, he's in, he's in special ops and there's this mission he's on with like another guy and they have to just go into some like rundown building and save people before, I don't know, some, some drones come in and drop bombs on these terrorists or something. I, I don't know. It's never really fully explained that well, but that being said, it probably is fully explained really well, but there's just... A, it's hard to really know what Seagal is saying half the time. I watched all these movies with closed captions. He just kind of has that, you know, he's just kind of, he just kind of talks like this, you know. Well, kind of like have like some jive, cool talk, like, what's happening? (laughs) He goes to like a five-year-old girl and says, what's happening in this movie? Um, So this is, so yeah, this this mission goes completely wrong. Uh, He's got this sidekick on the mission who I think might be in the rest of the movie, but he's not, he's only in that one scene. And you know, (laughs) and that's another thing you'll notice in these films. They kind of bring back these old timers into the movie, but yet Seagal won't go be in an expendables movie with all those big shot old timers. But Hey, is what it is. So basically what happens after that, you know, kind of opening setup set piece. Now we flash forward ahead to about two years after the fact. So basically Seagal's character is, um, his name's Alexander. He has now gone off the grid for a while. You know, he's trying to live a peaceful life. He's, he's a good man. He's a good man, just not trying to cause harm. (laughs) Uh, so he's, it's basically stated he's the handyman of this apartment complex. You never see him doing any handyman. Like you might see him like doing stuff around his apartment, but you don't see him like, I don't know, fixing an air conditioner next door. But what you do see is there is this maybe like late 20s girl um, and a little girl, you know, like maybe eight or seven, eight, nine years old, um, locked out of their apartment. And, uh, you know, Seagal just like, you know, walks up and I'm just like, you know, you need a little help. I'm the handyman. <laughs> and he opens up the door for gets him in their apartment. And there is this just like nod from the older woman, um, who's, you know, very attractive, you know, I believe she's a Romanian actress. Um, you know, just kind of is like, Oh, thank you. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know what he even really says there, <laughs> but there is this notion that you, and you see it in, you know, action films of the nineties where it's like, Oh, this is girls clearly going to be the love interest. 
and because it's like he's thinking that like this is um this is a woman and her daughter so there must be like a man around she's like no it's it's my niece i think it, it is no it's my niece i think is what she says um and so like you see seagal kind of perk up he's like oh <laughs> she's available <laughs> so um then what kind of starts to happen is you learn this girl like works at like some strip club but she's not a stripper she's like a bartender and um the woman's i believe brother who is this actor i don't know the actor's name i'm actually gonna look it up right here off the top of my head um I think it's Victor Webster, who's like a, I think he makes a lot of movies kind of of this ilk, but he's also like a soap opera actor. He plays kind of this gangster who's, I don't think he's really, no, he he plays this guy who's um, the woman's older brother, and he is paying off the debt that I guess their father left behind their father, lived a life of organized crime. So he's kind of doing all these things to help pay off the debt to these gangsters. Um... And they're like Russian and Chinese gangsters. It doesn't even really make any sense. Uh, and things go haywire. And through circumstances, Seagal kind of gets pulled in when he learns that the little girl that he met in the hallway um, is kidnapped. And they are using her as human trafficking. And you re- you think it, at first it's going to be the the love interest that's going to get kidnapped no like it's the little girl so it turns out there's like this big human trafficking thing which in a lot of his films we start to see that there's kind of this topic of russian gangsters and um human trafficking it's not the only movie i watched where that was brought up and i you know i guess if you're making films in that world in that side of the the world if you're making films in that side of the world where that is kind of a thing, like I, I can understand why you would put something like that in the film as a plot, but it's this crazy idea where there's this transaction of like a little girl. And you know, for anybody who finds that uncomfortable like me, there isn't anything that like grosses you out. There isn't anything that where you're like, Oh, I can't watch this. This is making me turn away. This is a bad B movie, um, with a low budget. And so Seagal catches wind about this and, you know, he teams up with the uh, guy who's trying to pay off the family's debt to go, you know, rescue the um, his, I guess it's his daughter, uh, which would make that bartender the love interest, the, um, the, uh, the, his sister. Yeah, I'm saying that right. Um, anyway, <laughs> so they team up and obviously what I mean is team up is this guy who's younger, more strapping, more can, you know, get more physical, fucking fucks these dudes up and Seagal just kind of shows up with a bag of cash and a machine gun <laughs> and shoots a few guys and that's that. And a good man <laughs> a good man has without a doubt one of the most awkward last 2 minutes of the movie. Uh so I feel horrible for these actresses that have to take on these roles. And they eventually have to have some sort of love scene with Steven Seagal. Now, mind you, this, I think, is the only one. But, like, every time a girl shows up in the movie, every time an actress shows up in the film that is, like, a damsel in distress, you're like, no, please don't hook up with Steven Seagal. He's in his mid-60s in this movie, maybe late 50s, I don't know. And the movie ends with, like, you know, the father and daughter, they leave and they're safe, all the bad guys are killed. 
And she stays in the apartment with Seagal. Now, mind you, they have not had any intimate moments together in the film. None. Zero. They have not kissed. Maybe there was a kiss on the cheek, but they have not, like, had a passionate moment. And then suddenly, they go there. They wave goodbye to them from the balcony and they go inside. And Seagal sits down and the girl approaches. I forget the character's name or the, the girl's, the actress's name. I'm sorry. Don't have that in front of me right now. At least like to give her that respect. But she just like straddles Seagal and takes her top off and kind of like snuggles up like a, like a kitten underneath his like jawline. And he just kind of like pets her head. And that's it. <laughs> so like people joke on Letterboxd that like Steven Seagal has a sex scene where a girl has to get naked and he keeps it everything on he keeps his he, he's in a jacket <laughs> and um it's just so like you don't really like see anything it, it, it's not like they're necessarily having sex like honestly you'd rather want them to maybe have some sort of a sex scene rather than she just takes her top off you don't see nudity but you know she's topless and he just kind of snuggles her it was just it's just weird and then the credits roll. And I, I was watching this and I knew about that scene going in. And the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm going like, there's three minutes left. I'm like, where is this scene? And it's it's right there at the end. And then it fades to black and the credits roll. Um, so that is Steven Seagal's definition of a good man. Uh, he saves a little girl, which honestly, yes, that is, the def- that, that is what a good man would do. He did the right thing. Um, this is kind of Seagal playing to that persona of you know the 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 retiree who just wants a peaceful life but gets drawn into something dangerous you know made famous through a lot of rehashing in films like you know something like Gran Torino you know kind of the the grumpy old man on the doorstep who's got a lot of racism and prejudice built up inside of him but he ends up saving a a family a Korean family I believe it's Korean and Gran Torino correct me if I'm wrong on that but and he's a Korean war vet, so you know this is you know many years after some a film like that. But still, like those films are always kind of out there. The old timer who gets lured back in after kind of being out of the game for a while, and that's a good man streaming now on Tubi. Um, I had a listener of the show and guy who follows it on Instagram, uh, visual effects artist, shoot a DM when I said I was watching this on the basement's Instagram. And he was just like, oh my God, I worked on this movie. I have some stories. So maybe I'll do a follow-up to that if he ever wants to come on the show. Because <laughs> I, like I said at the top of the show, I love Seagal stories. So next up is um, another film. And like I said, there was a film that takes place in Afghanistan but uh, it's clearly shot in Southern California, which was strange to me because I thought all of Seagal's movies were, you know, like produced overseas. Um, this is 2016's Sniper Special Ops. And the... <laughs> so when you like look up the title, it's Sniper semicolon or, or, or colon uh, Special Ops because um, there is, but when you see the uh, poster, it's just Sniper Special Ops, because there's still that Tom Berenger kind of action franchise that people forget about. I think there's like two or three sequels. I think one or two of them were straight to video of, you know, it's called Sniper. Um, 
and there was two sequels. But this is not in any way part of the Sniper franchise with Tom Berenger, which I don't think has been on. I think it's been dead. That's been dead for 20 years. Uh, and I love on the poster for Sniper Special Ops. Um, it says Seagal, like as in, you know, you know, Seagal's and it says Seagal, Van Damme. And you're thinking, ooh, that's a good selling point. Jean-Claude Van Damme is in this movie. Now, for anybody who doesn't know this, way back in the late 80s, early 90s, Steven Seagal hopped on the Arsenio Hall show. I think it was Arsenio Hall or one of the late night talk shows, but I'm pretty sure it's the Arsenio Hall show. And he had he was asked about his fellow contemporary action stars, Arnold, Sly, you know, Bruce Willis, and he seemed to always have, you know, some respect for them of of some sorts, you know, what they're doing. He didn't have a lot of nice things to say about Jean-Claude Van Damme. He thought he could take him in a fight. He didn't think he was the real deal. Uh, Seagal never, you know, or Van Damme never really, you know, has had much of a rebuttal to that. Uh, I'd love to get Van Damme on the show. I'm a big Van Damme fan, by the way. Um, I'm looking into that. Um, The muscles from Brussels. But so when you see this, it says Seagal, Van Damme, Sniper Special Ops. Jean-Claude Van Damme is not in this movie. It is none other than former ECW slash WWE wrestler Rob Van Dam. And I say it like that because, you know, that's something he does in the ring. That's how he, he points at himself three times and the, the audience goes, Rob Van Dam. Anyway, if you're not a wrestling fan, you don't get it. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's in the movie. He's one of the members of the tactical uh, special ops military force team. I, I don't know if they're like Marines, I believe they're Marines or something. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, this is probably the biggest example of Seagal not doing a damn thing in this movie. I don't know if he had a back injury while they were filming this. I don't know because he is in a chair. (laughs) It's an 86-minute runtime. I, and he's not in a lot of the film, actually. He's only probably has about 15 minutes of screen time if you add it up. And he doesn't do much. He snipes. It's called Sniper Special Ops. He is he is the sniper, but he only does about three minutes of sniping. Um, yeah, that's just how that goes. Uh, the plot of the movie is a Special Ops military force led by expert sniper Seagal. Uh, Sergeant Jake Chandler are sent to a remote Afghan village to extract an American congressman being held by the Taliban. That plot right there is the first five to ten minutes in the movie. Uh, Seagal is like far off sniping these, you know, members of the Taliban. That's interesting. They don't like necessarily say it's the Taliban, but um, it's believed that this film takes place in Afghanistan. Although, once again, it looks like Southern California. Uh, and you can tell it's like one of those movie sets they have out outside of like LA that's like supposed to be used for movies like this. Um, but they couldn't hire a lot of extras. So there's like all, there's like nobody walking around this town. Um, so yeah, in the first, that, that plot is the first five to 10 minutes. Seagal is far away, but he actually seems really close. He's sitting down with his, I don't know what it's called, but you know, I know a sniper usually has someone there to kind of monitor the, what the sniper's doing sometimes. I don't know. It's not my area of expertise. I've just seen it in movies. Um, And (laughs) Seagal is also using a sniper rifle while wearing these like cheap Walmart sunglasses. And in my, um, again, not my area of expertise, but anytime I've seen a sniper in a movie, 
I've never saw them wearing sunglasses. I thought that would kind of maybe obstruct things with being able to do your job. Um, basically what happens is him and that other guy get stranded in the village. So they're stuck in a war zone. And the other guys, the extraction team, get the congressman out of the village and bring him back to base. But they have to go back and get Seagal and the other guy who's like paralyzed. Now he got shot in the spine. He's like bleeding out. And so now it's like a rescue mission for them to go back. This all takes place within the course of like a few hours too. It's an 86-minute movie, but I feel like this is all like this all in real time happens within like three hours. Um, not a lot of action in between that first shootout and that second shootout. Um, I mean, there is a few small shootouts, but it's like the crew when they're on their way back. back the crew when they're on their way back out to do the rescue gets shot at, but you don't even like see the people shooting at them. Um, you know, there's scenes where Seagal's just kind of snooping around the village and he's like, he's like trying to make a phone call on a phone and he's just like got a gun in his hand. He's just like not looking at where he's pointing. He's just got it limply pointed out the window in case somebody storms in. I don't think he has a lot of knowledge of what he's doing, even though Seagal is kind of the guy that probably seems like a know-it-all. <laughs> that's, uh, that's been joked about in a lot of stand-up comics in regards to Seagal's um, show about him being a police officer down in Louisiana. I'll get into that probably before I wrap this episode up, but Sniper Special Ops, um, just to review some... <laughs> I think my, my... I gave it one star on my letterbox, and I just said, can we get someone to tell Seagal that he has to take his shades off while he does the sniping? Um, there's also like some funny things where like... At the end, there's this big shootout, and um, Seagal, like, grabs a guy who's been shot, who's down, to, like, pull him away, and you can tell as he's pulling him, he's not giving a lot of effort to pull him out of the gunfire, and so you can clearly see offset, there's, like, some, there's, like, a wire attached to the guy to, like, help pull him a little more, it's so goddamn funny, um, another thing I want to say about Sniper Special Ops before I, I get to the next film and that is, <laughs> so there's just, there's a journalist who tags along with the rescue team um, who also knows how to like shoot like heavy artillery. Maybe she does. I don't know. I'm not knocking her, but like it was just kind of caught me off guard. You know, there's things in these movies that, you know, these plot points that just sometimes don't make sense. That's how it goes. But there is a scene at the very end she's going around kind of talking to the guys and she hasn't talked to Seagal's character yet and she walks up to him and says this line where she goes you know Sergeant Chandler uh is it true you're the best of the best or something and there is this build-up for what Seagal needs to say and what he actually says is such a letdown that it doesn't live up to the hype. Like, you know, you know, in movies where there's supposed to be like, there's, there's this big line delivery and like the music crescendos and it's supposed to like leave a stamp on the film. This is that moment. And Seagal doesn't do it <laughs> or he thinks in his head in his, or he thinks in his head, he's going to do it. Um, I'll, I'll leave it right here. You can listen to it right here. Sergeant Chandler. Yes, ma'am. Are you really as good as they all say you are? So that is Sniper Special Ops. 
Um, my next one on the list is let's switch things up a bit. I've been a little negative towards uh, this these kind of films. Uh, I'm gonna now shift gears to a 2015 release that I gave. All the films I gave are like a star or half a star on Letterboxd. You can go check them out. Uh, look me up. Uh, but this one I gave two and a half stars to. Uh, Absolution, released in 2015. Here's the plot synopsis for Absolution. Uh, it's called Revenge Has Its Own Set of Rules. When a contract killer, Steven Seagal, encounters a girl on the run from a dangerous mob boss, played by Vinnie Jones, who's great in it, by the way, with powerful political ties, running a human trafficking operation. Remember what I said about that? He is torn between protecting the girl and remaining loyal to the government agency that hired him. That's a pretty accurate plot line to how the movie unfolds. So the movie's a little works a little different than that. Uh, the it starts with Seagal coming into an office, I believe. Like, in, at least they show like B-roll footage in New York City. But uh, for all we know, again, this is shot overseas. But he walks into an office, sits down with um, you know a head of some department, I believe the CIA. And he gets sent out to uh, Russia, I believe it's Russia or Romania, to, uh, you know, a job, to, to kill somebody, blah, 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 blah. You know the routine, yeah. And he brings on a partner, and the partner, again, just like how we've seen in the past with younger, um, you know, kind of younger, more physical guys that can, you know, move quicker and everything, Um he brings on an actual really good actor by the name of Byron Mann. Um, I believe he must be a martial artist turned actor. Uh, I, I don't know what I've seen him in, but he looked really familiar. Um, I mean, looking him up right now, I actually do kind of recognize him from things like uh, the Van Damme Street Fighter, Skyscraper with the Rock, uh, the Big Short. Um, so he's he's done some stuff probably in supporting roles. Ooh, he was in Sniper 3, the Tom Berenger franchise, not Sniper Special Ops. Um, but yeah, I did recognize him. He's really good in it. Uh, held his own as kind of Seagal's sidekick, but... You know, he is kind of the sidekick, but I feel like he's doing more. But in this, I don't know, Seagal's kind of persona felt really more at the forefront. I thought, I, I, it's crazy to say this, but I thought this is one of the better films. My my letterbox review was uh, Steven Seagal B-action movies are a genre in and of, of themselves. They're all bad, and I think the people making them know it. But if you put this up against a lot of the lesser-liked films within this era of his career, it isn't that bad. It felt less exploitative, you know, girls just weren't getting naked to be naked. Actually, I don't think there's any, actually, I don't think there's any nudity in this movie. Uh, the plot moves along great for a 95-minute film, um, and it plays to Seagal's strengths. Like, yeah, he's kind of, you know, sitting in a chair more, but like, he's given some really good dialogue. I don't want to say it's really good, but I just, I don't know, I connected with it more and, you know, in a lot of these movies that is cringy scene after cringy scene after cringy scene, you get a break with, you know, just kind of being like, oh, this is really bad, but I'm having fun with it kind of feel to it. There's some good deliveries from the performances in this film. Uh, not great at all, but um, not bad either. And 
let me go back to where I was going, um, if you even care to give a damn about the plot of this movie. Uh, but he gets assigned, him and his partner get assigned a just a hit on somebody bad out overseas. And while they're in a, like a, a night, not really a nightclub, just kind of like a low-key, like fancy-smancy bar, a woman storms into the bar. She's being pursued by these guys from a club down the road and you find out she's like was trapped in this room it looks like a scene out of saw <laughs> like it, it clearly looks like they're being tortured and brutally beaten up by vinnie jones the character who's just known as the boss that's its character name vinnie jones who i think is an ex like soccer player um from from the uk has really made some great turns in a lot of these kind of straight to video action films Playing a big bad. I mean, he. I don't know what he t- side of him he likes to tap into, but he can play a, a pretty vicious villain. He's not in a lot of the movie, only in a few scenes, um, this being one of them. But a girl escapes, storms into the bar. She's being chased by some bad guys. And, of course, Seagal and his little sidekick there, they uh, swoop in and kick some butt. And now they have the girl at their side. They don't know what to do with her. They've kind of broken protocol while being on a mission, while bringing somebody in into you know their little inner circle but then you find out vinnie jones's character the boss has like connections to the guys that hired seagal to do their hit so there's this like political conspiracy thing going on um kind of fucking cool honestly i again i like out of the five films this is the third one i'm talking about uh i actually like enjoyed this i didn't really i watched it start to finish all these other movies i think i paused and went and did something else for a few hours uh this one i i i Put my daughter down for a nap, sat down for 95 minutes. You know, once the credits rolled, she rolled back up. But I was just like, dude, kind of dug it. But, you know, two and a half stars. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, seek that out. That is also streaming on Tubi. That is Absolution. Next up, and I got like two more here. And honestly, I'm probably just going to breeze through them a little bit because uh, let's just say I have no idea really what the f- fuck these movies are about <laughs> um well first off uh, let me I'll, I'll kick off with the one that i do actually know a little more about what's going on rather than um i don't know uh the other one we'll end on a complete dud i guess uh this one coming up right here is called contract to kill released in 2016 uh let me uh just give you a quick plot synopsis and it's again it's gonna sound a lot like everything I've been talking about here today. Uh, Steven Seagal plays a guy named Harmon. He is a CIA DEA enforcer investigating Arab terrorists captured in Mexico. With his team, a seductive FBI agent named Zara and a spy drone pilot, Sharp, he flies to Istanbul and uncovers a brutal plot. Islamic extremists plan to use, I believe, the city of Sonara um, drug smuggling routes to bring deadly weapons and leaders into the U.S. to prevent an attack on America. Harmon must turn these two savage forces against one another before his time and his luck run out. That was a lot to say for a movie that really doesn't show a lot of that plot. Like, yeah, the the, the movie's about, I think it's like the the cartel from Mexico is in Istanbul doing like a, a business deal um, with like, I, it says like, you know, Arab terrorists. But, you know, I know there's kind of a stereotype of what, you know, terrorists from that region of the world dress like and look like. These guys just look like flashy gangsters. Uh you know, so the movie takes place in Istanbul. 
I highly doubt they shot it there because it looks like a smaller city. Um, or maybe they just shot on the outskirts of uh, Istanbul. Uh, because I've looked at, f- I've never been, and it's a bucket list uh, place I want to go. Uh, I, but I've, I've looked at footage and, you know, plenty of uh, pictures of what it looks like there. And it, it, it there's there's people. This is like a deserted city <laughs> that they're shooting in. But hey, budget constraints, that's how it goes. Um, there is kind of that cool character on the side, Sharp, who is this like drone uh, pilot who just like, you know, they, they I don't know, I, I this is 2016. This is like peak time to use drone footage and whatnot. Uh, with cameras, and I think they really utilized that well. I think that was a cool little addition to the movie. Uh, really the only cool little addition to the movie. Um, again, uh, Seagal links up with like a, a younger woman, and they, of course, need to have a thing. They have like a pass together. She's, you know, the FBI agent. And of course, they hook up. Uh, there is a sex scene between Seagal and this woman, and it's uncomfortable to watch, not uncomfortable in the, you know, oh my God, that's, that's, uh, that, that's, that she was forced into this situation kind of thing. It's uncomfortable in the fact that, um, it's just cringy. <laughs> uh, you get what I mean? Um, yeah, so he, be- he basically has to turn these two organizations against one another to save America. Uh, throughout this movie, I don't really know how he does it. There's like little vignettes of chase scenes, fights, and shootouts, but nothing. I don't really know that. Again, with Steven Seagal, like you know, he, he kind of talks like this, you know, so like hard to follow some dialogue. But um, there's a there's a chase scene through the streets uh, that. It's just kind of funny how green screen it is when they're in the car, and it's also just funny how you can kind of tell they're not really driving that fast. There's no, like, you know, cars going all over the road. It's not big-budget car chase scene at all. But um, I don't know. It's it's not that good. I don't really know what's going on. The drone footage is kind of cool. The usage of the drone pilot character is cool. But uh, that's contract to kill. And like I said, I'm going to end here real quick on this last one because I don't know what the fuck it's about. This film, I think it's a film, is called True Justice Vengeance is Mine. I don't I don't know if this is even a movie. And let me explain. Uh, if you like look it up on Letterboxd, I don't think it comes up. And there's multiple films on the Seagal Film Festival. Not really. Just like, you know, if you search Steven Seagal on Tubi. There's, you know, like 20 movies, and I want to say like five or six of them are True Justice, semicolon, and then like another title. And I like, I looked it up, and it, I think it's like a TV show? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, because it says True Justice, Vengeance is Mine, Season 2, Episode 1, and it's a 90-minute movie. And um, I... I the weird thing about it is while I'm watching it, I was like, I don't know what's going on, but this film moves like a, like a TV show, like a, like a police procedural. And the, 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 first of all, the cinematography on this thing is atrocious and I'm not blaming the cinematographer. I'm just blaming the, um, I don't know, like maybe just, you know what? I'm not even going to blame the cinematographer. This looks like a lot of like 
you know, filters and effects that are done in post to the shot that just make it look so foggy. And I mean, I get it. They're shooting in the Pacific Northwest, Vancouver, I believe, Vancouver and Seattle, uh, I think. Uh, at least that's where it says it takes place. But those those are the cities it takes place in, but who knows where they actually shot. Uh, but it looks similar to that that region. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the, the overall like look of this movie and or made-for-TV movie or TV show, I don't know, uh, is just, I'm sorry, but it's atrocious. Uh, I have no idea what's going on in this movie. I can't follow it. I cannot follow it. I don't know what's going on. But again, like I'll, I'll give you the plot. Uh, there's an attack on his precinct. Uh, Kane, who's played by Seagal, um, buries his friends and sets his sights on avenging their deaths. He assembles a new team and follows the trail across board- the border to Vancouver. Again, simple. Revenge plot. Vengeance is his. <coughs> Excuse me. Vengeance is mine, as the title goes. Uh, but, I, again, like the clues of how he's finding out who did this um, attack on his uh, police precinct is so unclear to me. I don't know how he gets to his resolution. He ends up quitting the force in like around the 45-minute mark of the movie. And listen, look, it's very easy to pick your phone up and start doom-scrolling while this movie's on in the background because 20 minutes in, you're like, ah, what are we doing here? I get it. He's fighting bad guys. He's interrogating people. Um, there's, there's a scene where he's interrogating someone with another cop and it basically shows that he gets up and shoots the guy they're interrogating. But then they do like that flashback thing where it's like, wait, this is what actually happened. And the cop who was in the room that should have known this, I guess, didn't know it. She wasn't there. I, that That's kind of fucked. That, that got fucked up in editing. Um, and then it turns out they didn't actually, he didn't actually shoot that guy. I don't know. I don't know what was the motivation for something like that. Uh, none of this makes sense. And I still don't even know if it's a movie or a TV show. Like there, cause there's other true vengeance, semicolon, another title. Someone explain this shit to me. Actually, don't even bother because I'm probably not going to watch the other ones. Um, I, I, I don't really recommend this. Uh, this out of probably the five I watched was the complete brain fart. Um, did I give it? No, I couldn't give a review on it on Letterboxd because it doesn't even show up on Letterboxd, which makes me to believe that it has I'm, it clearly aired on TV. I know he has his Steven Seagal Lawman show from a few years ago as well. Check that out too. That's Seagal as a cop in Louisiana arresting people. I guess he's been like an, a cop. He's had like a job as like a cop, like between movie shoots doing what he I don't know if he still has it but unreal to me like you can go to New Orleans or somewhere in Louisiana in that general area today if you're if you're traveling to to Louisiana there's a chance if you get a little rowdy you might feel like a a a hand on your back to like have you turn around and you might turn around and see Steven Seagal in your face probably not I think he's like been living in Russia for the last five years so, with all that being said, that is my Steven Seagal Film Festival that I did on Tubi uh, all last week to do this episode here to drop today. Uh, thank you all for listening. <laughs> if you hung in there for the last 45 minutes uh, with this episode. Um, yeah, look, if you're, if you're into just kind of, they really have... Look, these films have really kind of turned into midnight movies for the most part. 
but I feel like there's got to be some artistic merit to them because Seagal keeps doing them. And he seems like a guy who takes his work seriously. And you can criticize him for that if you want. But I don't know. Maybe there's something under the surface that we as audience members aren't getting uh, that he gets with doing a movie like like Contract to Kill or True Vengeance. True Justice Vengeance is mine. I don't know. But regardless, um, I don't know. Check them out. Like, I, you know, B-action movies kind of always interest me. Uh, you know, they're trying they're trying to reach real high. Some of them actually pull it off. Some of them fall on their face. So if you want to have a Steven Seagal Film Festival, just check out, like, the 20, 25 movies on Tubi uh, starting today or tonight, whenever you got a free time. Uh, I can't really sit here and recommend them, but uh, they are a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, that's it for today's episode. Uh, We will see you all next week on The Basement. Take care.